Hello. 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 <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. Welcome, my love. Welcome. This has been long awaited, Dr. Yes. yes, thank you. <laughs> oh my god. No, thank you. This is our first podcast together. All right, let's make it a memorable one. All right, my love. So we met. How did we meet? We met when I was at Toronto Weston on an appointment and you were going to work and I was leaving the hospital. Yeah. Um, I mean, not unlike many of the uh, unusual and fortuitous meetings I've had uh, during the course of the last several months uh, where someone just happens to recognize me and uh, we end up stopping to chat and uh, often it leaves me feeling very gratified that uh, People care, uh, people are interested in making a difference and reaching beyond their own individual experience to help others through this pandemic. And uh, certainly that brief moment meeting with you, uh, you know, demonstrated all of those things. And, um, you know, here we are. I'm, I'm really glad that I've had the opportunity to get to know you and hopefully to spread a message of awareness and uh, good energy to help us uh, through these difficult times. That's right, Dr. Shakawi. I seen you on television and I seen how you were just so passionate and just, I can't even put the words into perspective here, but when you talk, you deliver from your soul. You're not only a professional within your field of infectious diseases, but you are passionate about what you do, which is extremely rare. And I'm going to say that throughout our podcast. And when you talk, you talk with conviction and concern and delivery. Am I right? Well, that's very kind of you to say. I mean, um, people who know me well know that um, I'm, I'm pretty much an open book. Uh, I, I definitely, um, I don't hide my cards. Um, I, I pride myself on being as honest as I can. Uh, sometimes that gets me in trouble, <laughs> but yes. in general, it is who I am, um, and I feel that if you have an opportunity to connect with people, um, you really owe it to them to, to deliver what's inside of you. Uh, I can't think of another time in my life and in my professional career where, as a global community, we've been faced with such an enormous challenge that really um, you know, uh, demands of us to look inside of ourselves and ask ourselves what's really important. To, uh, how can we really prioritize what's absolutely essential um, to to determine how we can get through this safely and how we can help other people do it? And I think you have to speak with conviction. You have to speak with passion. These, these are extraordinary times and it's an extraordinary moment to, in our collective uh, history. Um, and I, I don't think you can hold back. Um, I, I think you need to reach people whichever way you can. And if my words happen to resonate with uh, a lot of people because I'm delivering them from, from deep inside of myself, uh, that makes me feel really gratified. That's right. Well, you know something? Can you introduce yourself, Dr. Shikari? Because some people might not know of you through a podcast. They can't see you, but they, okay, who is he? But I know of you, but your position... <laughs> Sure. So, so um, I'm um, an internal medicine and infectious diseases doctor, consultant, um, 
at uh, Toronto Western Hospital uh, with the, the University Health Network. Uh, this is affiliated with the University of, of Toronto. So we are a teaching institution. Um, the University Health Network is, is the largest acute care hospital network in the country. Um, we are a uh, world-class research facility. We are a referral center for all kinds of um, you know, uh, difficult to manage conditions, um, in including transplants, including all sorts of um, you know, complex uh, surgical, uh, cancer-related and other uh, medical needs. Um, I'm very proud to be part of this institution. Um, I'm very proud of my own hospital um, and uh, I, I'm proud of the opportunity that we have had to uh, share our knowledge, our expertise with the, the rest of, uh, of Canada uh, to help guide us through uh, these troubled times. Well, now, because you and I spoke briefly on the floors there outside the elevator, when you flashed your card, here's my information, let's get in touch. When you, for myself, with what I do, being an inspirational speaker, and my mission is youth. Not only parents and the generation, but more of the youth in looking at this pandemic. You hear the numbers are rising, Dr. Cowie. You hear the parties that are happening. You're hearing the people not respecting. Some are, but the reason why they're going up because some aren't. So when your message now with youth what is your concerns moving forward? Every single day you deal with this. We can't see this pandemic. We can't see it. But from you, you see it every single day. So now, professional, what is your message to the youth? Well, first of all, I want to take a step back. And, and I want to be very, very clear on one thing, that we don't want to paint yes. all of our young people with the same brush. I think one of the problems we've had in this pandemic is right. there's been a lot of polarity in our views. We've been very, very extreme and uh, very want to try and depict uh, different demographics, uh, different uh, parts of our community as being uh, responsible uh, or not for what's going on. And we have to be careful not to judge too widely the young people in our okay. community have gone through a lot. And I, I think many of them are misunderstood. You know, let's not forget that young people today, okay. uh, you know, live in an environment where, you know, socializing by itself is very different from, from when it was when I grew up. You know, there, there's a completely different right. language of expression when it comes to how you connect with your friends. Um, with the rest of your your peers, and that's been completely turned on its ear by this pandemic. I think a lot of young people were in a state of shock when you know we were in a lockdown situation back in the spring. Um, I think it was very difficult for them to completely close the book on uh, a vital means of communicating and connecting with one another. And I think it, it really created a great deal of difficulty for them uh, on so many levels, from a mental health point of view, uh, from you know uh, a, a, a social standpoint that just allows them to feel as though um, they're still whole. 
Um, and I, I think when things lifted, um, it was hard not to resist the temptation to try and regain a lot of what was lost. Now, admittedly, some of that is being done fairly right. haphazardly. Some of it's being done irresponsibly, but not all of it. I, I think some of our youth just simply don't understand, you know, the gravity of the situation because a lot of the messaging that has been out there and a lot of what's been publicized, unfortunately, has not really uh, depicted the full perspective as fairly as it should. So you know, what do I mean by that? There's, you know, there's a narrative out there right now that somehow this coronavirus has become less deadly, that it's not what it used to be, that you know, there are actually fewer people proportionately being infected now than were in March and April, so, and that people are just dying not as frequently from this. And unfortunately, that is a narrative that has been propagated widely through many parts of our community. In fact, through some parts of the medical community where uh, people are uh, perhaps uh, dissatisfied with, with, with uh, restrictions, uh, dissatisfied with a story that potentially suggests that the economy or other parts of our society are going to suffer unnecessarily. But, you know, a lot of this just does not stand up to reality. And it is a very superficial way of examining the issue. So let me try and break that down for you a little bit. Number one, we, we okay. are not necessarily seeing a disease that's less serious than it was in the spring. What we do know is we're testing for it more frequently than we did in the spring. So, you know, we might have seen, you know, 4,000 cases per day at some point in the spring instead of 1,000 cases per day had we been testing with the same level of intensity that we were testing with now. So you're not really comparing apples to apples from the point of view of the numbers that we're seeing, first of all. That's something that really needs to be understood. Second of okay. all, you know, people okay. are not necessarily not dying as frequently from this or not necessarily not going through as much hardship for this. It's just happening a little bit differently and it's happening at a different pace. So for example, in the spring, most people who were affected by this were elderly people, especially those living in long-term care facilities across many parts of the world because those were the most vulnerable people and there were outbreaks throughout many of these, these facilities. And a lot of younger people, healthier people were at home and there wasn't a lot of places or things that they could do because of restrictions that were imposed. So they weren't going to be infected with this virus and they weren't necessarily going to thereafter become sick. Well, the situation has changed a little bit. Now, what we've seen is a lot of these younger people who were in their homes, not gathering with friends and not doing a lot of other things to socialize, well, they've gone out, they've started to socialize, they've started to get together, whether it's house parties or whether it's coffee or dinners or what have you, and they're becoming infected. They're becoming exposed to a virus that didn't go away. And some of those young people are getting very sick with this virus. Now, not all of them are ending up in hospitals. Not all of them are dying. Although I've had my share of seeing 
both of those scenarios, unfortunately, people that are under the age of 50 who have not survived, who've ended up in the ICU, who've had strokes, who've had terrible pneumonias, who haven't gone back to their families. And it's utterly tragic and really hard to watch that happening. And the younger people who have not made it into hospital, who have perhaps had what seems like a bad flu that goes away after a few days, but then they're never themselves again. And there's a lot of those people out there. They're not captured in the statistics you're going to read because no one's actually taking a database and publicizing it with these people. But I can tell you the number of personal accounts that people have shared with me and have been shared on different forums through social media is staggering. And it is very, very concerning. Let me give you a bit of a snapshot as to what that might look like. So I will see 28-year-olds who are musicians. I saw a 28-year-old man who was a guitarist who played in a band, you know, uh, very musical guy, artistic, you know, uh, did a lot of things that, um, you know, explored his creative side. You know, didn't make a lot of money as most artists, uh, you know, are in the position uh, to, to say, you know, but, but he did okay. Right. And he would do gigs yes. every now and then. And he would teach um, to, to community colleges, uh, to, to students there um, in music courses. And this young man developed uh, COVID-19 uh, about a month and a half ago. And it started out feeling like just a bit of a, a flu. He was achy. He was sore. He had a bit of a dry cough. And um, he thought it was going to go away. And about a week later, after most of, of the, the symptoms had resolved, he said that he felt like he had lost about 30 pounds in terms of the energy that he could carry around with him. He would get tired very easily. Wow. He would get odd chest pains just out of the blue. Um, and he would have to just sit down and, and you know not do anything else that could claim his attention because this would just you know hit him like a ton of bricks and he couldn't do anything. He has trouble concentrating. So he has a lot of difficulty reading something without stopping because he just can't focus the same way he used to. Um, he can't play music for more than 10 minutes at a time because he starts to get headaches that he never had before. He can't do gigs, obviously, because there aren't many places that you can do gigs. But this is his livelihood. That he can and, perform. You know, right. something that's near and dear to his heart. And effectively, his, you know, the main part of his creative expression, and it's gone. It's been completely extinguished by this virus. Wow. And, you know, that's one example. And there, there are many others. Wow. I've had, you know, Bay Street executives and lawyers and single moms who seven months after they had been infected are not the same people that they were before, whether it's concentration difficulties, la- loss of smell, exercise tolerance that's disappeared, to just extreme fatigue, you know, the variants of things like chronic, chronic fatigue syndrome, you know, uh, and fibromyalgia that a lot of people in our in our society yeah. deal with. 
um, and, and, and have a great deal of difficulty overcoming. You know, we're seeing this with COVID-19. And, and the reason why it's just so important to know this is that this virus has challenged us in a way that almost no virus in the last hundred years has because it inflicts damage directly by how the, the bug itself harms the body. And then there's a second chapter to this damage, which is how, do the immune, how does the immune system react to this? And if the immune system reacts the wrong way and is overactive, then it makes life very distressing for us and leads to a lot of these chronic issues that are neurologic in nature, that are related to joint pain, that are related to our respiratory system, never quite getting back to what it used to. I mean, can you imagine that being 25 and being told you're you're never going to be the same again? No, no, that to me is just not in a million years. So scary. And I guess what's disheartening is this is avoidable. You know, it's not as though even though this disease is difficult to see, there's no fluorescent light that follows COVID nineteen around. But there's pretty simple tools to know where we should be avoiding this and how we should be avoiding this. You know, you, you're not going to get COVID-19 if you're keeping your distance from other people, especially indoors. You won't get COVID-19 if you're wearing right. a mask properly and you're doing so consistently indoors. You won't get COVID-19 if you're washing your hands and not touching your face, especially your eyes and nose and mouth especially when you're around other people. These are really simple measures that everyone, everyone can do that'll protect, you know, us from not just COVID-19, but so many other communicable conditions, including the flu, which is going to happen really soon. So, you know, we've got to find a way, I think, to number one, um, identify you know what? What are what are we going through? What what is our lack of understanding towards this virus? What why is it there? Is it the misinformation from the conspiracy theorists and from people who say this is this is just a flu or it's nothing to worry about? Because we've got to dispel that. Is, is it an issue of younger people and others feeling as though what they have lost has not been recognized enough and that they need further support and assistance? with with you know getting back to a so state of social health that will help them um get back some of the the economic losses right you know whether it's through lost jobs or, or other things that they've dealt with you know we've got to help there too you know and you know i i, I don't want to use the heavy-handed approach um but, but i think at some point it's going to be necessary <laughs> to to consider using that in terms of disincentive when it comes to fines, for example, when people go out of their ways, you know, to hold large scale parties, for example, knowing full well that this is public endangerment. Um, I, I think there's no room for exactly. being too open minded at that point because the stakes are simply too high. You know, when, when you hire people to uh, scatter cars and you've got uh, cameras and people on the lookout to avoid having people identify an illegal party. Um, you know, you've got no sympathy in my books. You're something that is reckless, is clearly premeditated no. and thought out to, to harm a lot of other people for 
reasons that are not anything but selfish in nature and that that can't be tolerated so i i think we've got to we've got to use as many carrots as no. possible but i think there are a few sticks out there that unfortunately may have to be considered too Dr. Shikawi, you know something? I'm going to ask you something this on the podcast because I believe it's going to be part of many. And I'm going to ask you two things. Would you be open to continue this conversation oh, through a series of podcasts Listen, with uh, me? Any opportunity that we okay. can explore to have people listen, to have people engaged, um, and, and to, to know that we're listening to them too because we're talking to each other right now, but we're sounding bored. That's right for everyone that we talk to, young, you know, uh, uh, frail or, or right. robust in health and otherwise. And this is an opportunity for us to um, reflect that towards one another and, and to share what we're, we're hearing from people in our community. And uh, I would welcome any opportunity I can to, to help uh, keep that dialogue open. And uh, uh, again, as I say, get, get through these really difficult times by supporting each other and hearing each other's voice. Well, just hearing you talk right now, you've shed the light on numerous platforms, numerous platforms in this 20 minutes conversation we've had on our first, first podcast. But I just want to ask you something before I let you go, because I know how extremely valuable your time is. This might be sound crazy, but I'm <laughs> going to ask anyway, might be sound crazy, but it's if you're in a if you're in sure. a car, my friend, if you don't mind me being so open, and you're in a car, and should you be wearing a mask? Because I see a lot of people driving, and they don't have masks on. So if you're in a car with the windows down, what is the precaution? That's a great question. A and it's funny you should ask because yesterday I went for a walk in my neighborhood, and I saw a car pull over and. Five young people came out that looked like they were probably no more than about 15 years of age. And um, they weren't wearing masks. They didn't even have the windows open. They were high-fiving each other. Um, and it was clear based on uh, the fact that they were all uh, of different um, racial profiles from what I could hear, that they probably were not part of the same nuclear household. Right. I, I suppose it's possible that they were that there were several adopted members of the same household, but I think the odds uh, of that are probably pretty low. And I was very chagrined because I thought, you know, this is it right here. People just don't understand. Uh, there's a risk. So absolutely. First of all, right. if you can open windows, that will help enormously. Too. Because if you open windows in a vehicle, you're really simulating an outdoor environment. You're getting very close to it. So that will reduce the risk tremendously. Of, of acquiring or transmitting COVID-19. That being said, you can't always do that for various okay. reasons. And it's still a good idea to wear a mask if you're in a vehicle with others who are not a part of your nuclear household. Because there's been so many instances where people have okay. become infected uh, through this very route, including some notable politicians, you know, who know better by now. <laughs> exactly. That's so right. Well, no, if no, you're in a car, whether it's an Uber, <laughs> whether it's a car with friends who are not a part of your nuclear household or anything else, please wear a mask, roll down the windows, and as far as it's uh, comfortable for you, uh, as long as weather permits, it'll help keep you safe.
Well, you know something, my love? This is this is a dream. This is a dream because when I seen you on TV, Dr. Shakawi, I said I have to get in touch. I didn't know how. I didn't know any email. I didn't know. And all of a sudden, I appeared at a great. hospital on a morning. You walked by <laughs> me, and I turned, and I went, wow. So I am blessed. I am truly, I cannot say more enough in just working with you. I'm going to call it as is right now. I'm going to call it working with you to help spread the message, invite youth or anyone on to talk with you through these podcasts to address questions Absolutely. that sometimes is still not answered out there. So I thank you, Joy. I cannot it's thank you enough. I really and cannot. pleasure and whatever I can do to help connect others and spread a message of knowledge and a, and a message of hope because there's still a lot of hope out there. Let's do it. Let's do it together. You got it. Thank you so much. God. Thank you so much. And have Thank a great you. day. Happy and Thanksgiving. To Please, you everybody be safe. You too. Bye-bye. Yes, you too, Dr. Shakawi. Bye.